0: Two Peter Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will to Nick Trucial, Seth Coggin, all back in here with you tonight, boys. It's been a it's been a few weeks. We've had some. I won't. We won't get into into it too much, but yeah, we had some guests that were supposed to come on that just didn't make an appearance. Didn't couldn't get it pinned down. But guess what? The hometown crew, the boys are back. We're buzzing. We're gonna hey, talk boys, some masters, me. some NBA playoffs, some some draft rumors that are. That have us shaking in our boots. But first, like I said, let's kick it off. One of the best weekends of the year, Masters weekend, Augusta. Lots of storylines to go through. I mean, you had Tiger playing, you had Sam Bennett the amateur coming yes. in hot, and then obviously you had John Rom winning. I was shocked with Phil
1: Mickelson final round.
0: Oh, we're gonna yeah, we're,
1: dude.
0: We're gonna talk Phil. Uh, I was, I was shocked though. John Rahm was one of the favorites, obviously, but I just didn't see as many people picking him as a favorite compared to a Scheffler or a JT. And dude, that guy's been the hottest guy in golf this year. He's cleared thirteen million dollars in winnings already.
1: He is. He's back he to is, number one golfer too. I mean,
2: he's he's money right now. He's just an ox. Like he's not the he's not the flashy guy. He's not the most outspoken guy. He's not you know even just the way he looks like, like he's just a unit. Like, he's not the most physically impressive specimen, but he is the most consistent, just stalwart of a golfer. Like, he is dialed in. He is so strong in all areas. You know, he's probably not the sing- the best at anything. Like, he is not the greatest driver. He is not the great, but he is up there. He is probably, like, top five in, like, every, you know. He's he so consistent. It. And it, it, at Augusta, it takes – consistency over four days to not just hit a couple great shots and like you have to be very precise on every hole every shot and you know he he even did it in really he got kind of the bad draw where he played in the bad weather on thursday and friday um he didn't even get the favorable conditions and then he played how many holes did they play you know they played what on sunday holes they played like did they play 30 or were they they play like 26 holes. No, I
0: think you're right. I want to say he played 11 Sunday morning. Does that yeah, sound right?
2: So think about, like, think about how long of a master Sunday. Like, Augusta is already a huge emotional buildup. It's a huge mental, you know, capacity. It takes a ton out of you. And then for him to come out there, like, that's – he's just – he's the strongest guy in the field. Like, he, he is just the most consistent, most unlikely to make kind of a huge error – um, even his errors aren't um you know, aren't anything bad. And he has every single shot and he's a really good putter. Like he's it's just almost unstoppable if you know, if if he's kind of on on all of his facets, which he was.
0: And I think too, I mean, he starts off the weekend or starts off uh, first round with a double bogey and then proceeds to shoot seven birdies and an eagle the rest of the round. And someone mentioned this as well. He, Rom had a little trouble. This is kind of going back a couple years. He would get so down on himself or so angry. And it seems like he's really learned to control that and keep it in, uh, or at least just move on to the next shot. And that's what it said. That kind of goes back to you just talking about his consistency. He, whether he has a bad hole or whatever it might be, he's able to move on and just keep his consistent game going. And gosh, watching him on the tee box, just smack the ball and shape it exactly how he wants to. I mean he's the best guy in golf right now, and that's what we we've already said it. But I mean, we're talking how many how many majors does
2: he have? Just, two. just his second. Yeah, just his second major. But he's only 28. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Which, yeah. Which I mean is a little bit older. You know, some of those guys come on the scene real early and might win a couple, but you know, now he's right up there with anybody. I mean, you know, Rory, like the okay, forget about Tiger. Like Tiger's stratosphere above like everybody else of kind of the next generation of guys, um, you know, no one's really got more than four, you know, Rory and Brooks both have four. You have, you know, a couple guys around there that's, you know, Spieth has uh, maybe three or four as well. Um, But, but he's gotta be kind of that neck, that guy that's kind of leading that generation as of right now, like he's the guy that's, I feel most comfortable in like putting in four, four majors of, you know, competition. Like four, where he could go to all four majors, and I see him competing at a very high level, if not winning, um, you know, a couple times uh, a year. I mean, he's already won several times on tour this year. Um, it, I really like John Rahm. I, I just like how he plods along. Yeah, like he doesn't get too down. I think that is a, it's a great lesson in the game of golf because it is so mental. I think you're probably right. I think maybe that's how he has evolved himself. Is he always kind of had the game. You know he's already always been super strong, able to hit you know for distance and 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 he's been super he's dialed in with iron play and stuff like that. But mentally, I think he has grown up a lot to be able to kind of put put negative stuff behind him. I mean, just take eighteen for example, dude is up four strokes and just shanks one. I mean. First drive off 18 is absolutely like a true Seth caught like a true Seth Cog and shame. Like he just pulled it dead left into a tree. Now, fortunately, he got very fortunate that it bounced even back out in the middle, even though it came back. And like I said, a true like one of us. Like it was so funny to see him hit that shot because it's I've I've seen I've hit or I've seen my buddies hit that shot so many times where you hit a tree about a hundred yards out and it ends up bouncing back 50 yards. Like you might be in the center of the fairway, but you're you're only 50 (laughs) yards past the tee box. But then he comes back. hits just an insane little four iron and then hits a beautiful flop shot over, you know, and yeah, he was up four strokes. There wasn't a ton, but there's still a little pressure. Like you, you hit that shank and you're like, Oh shoot. Like I could be in some serious trouble. And then if I hit another really bad shot, like I could make an eight, like, It's anything is possible, you know, going into that final hole. Um, So just to kind of rebound from that, um, it's what you got to do to be a champion golfer. You're not going to hit, you know, great shots, every single shot for four days of a tournament, especially at a place like Augusta, as unforgiving as it is at times. Um, So to be able to kind of just motor through that and just keep, just keep pounding um, is really cool. Uh, And he's very, you know, very humble, very gracious winner. Um, it was cool to see, just see him be a champion. I, I, I just like his style of play um, as a unit, you know, as a, as a bit of a unit myself, not quite, you know, not quite his size, but bit, you know, we're all, all some big guys here. It's, it's good. It's good for the units to win one, you know? Oh yeah. It's more, it's more fun than like, ju- yeah, Justin Thomas winning one. That guy's a little sprout. That's not fair. I want to see
1: John Daly out there hitting nukes, just having a blast out there for the big boys. Oh, uh, you'll see him
0: out in good. the British open.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's not, yeah, he's out. He's out if
2: he can play. Uh, they le- they only let him down to the Hooters there in Augusta. Yeah. He does not get to, <laughs> to play these days. Well, outside I mean, of, J- of Rom, like what what are you guys kind of takeaways from from the rest of the weekend?
0: Rahm? Well, I'm I'm thinking too. So the guy Rom was paired with going up against that last day was Brooks, who yeah. just came out on fire as well. And it was kind of anticlimactic because he kind of felt like he was never really in it once he got the final round got going. I mean, it took a second, but then, you know, Rom started kind of pulling away. You
1: kind of tell pretty early, like, it, mm-hmm. a it, bit. it just wasn't Brooksie's day. You could tell.
0: Well, yeah. and be- the question I heard that kind of made me think about it is, you know, in Liv, aren't they playing three-day tournaments?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah. is, it, is it one of those things where he's just not used to playing four days of golf? But, Trusha you touched on this earlier – you look at Phil coming yeah. in second place, like and someone mentioned this to me this week. You know, we're talking about Tiger and all this stuff, and Tiger has a different scenario. I mean, the guy basically doesn't have a leg and is out there playing, but Phil, one of these older guys out there, showing that he can still go out there and win another major.
2: Yeah, Phil's definitely. But I mean, that's a testament to modern medicine and just like yeah. health and wellness. I mean, that like Phil, Phil's put he himself talked about it too. Yeah, that's Phil's good. put himself physically. Yeah, he's older, but he looks great. he's he's probably in better shape now than he literally was. You know, he's probably not and quite as spry or got quite the coil in some ways, but like, you know, just health and wellness wise, he's probably healthier now in a lot of ways than he was. You know, Phil, talk about units. I mean, Phil was a hefty, hefty boy there for a while. Um, you know, most of his career, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome to see Phil just absolute torrid day. And that's I, th- I think one thing we love about Augusta, about the Masters, it is, it does kind of feel like home in a sense where it's like, I know, I know hole by hole. I know it too, you know, even just from a viewership perspective, you know, I sit there and I turn it on and it, I've seen this before. Like I'm familiar with the course. It's always just brilliant green. It's, and you know, it's the most flawless looking golf course you've ever seen in your life. And you know, the holes you know, you know, the classic birdie hole, you know, 13, 15, you know, 16 uh, just classic timeless holes. And so you think about a guy like Phil, like it has to be an advantage. The fact that he's played Augusta, however many times, like he's played that same exact course at that championship level so many times. Um, so it does have to be some sort of advantage for him to kind of put all that knowledge, especially how they they set it up pretty consistently on Sundays. Like Whole locations, all that kind of stuff is fairly consistent on Sundays. So, you know, he kind of knows how to attack it, you know, and he took advantage. You still have to go out there and execute. Um, but it, it was really cool to watch him do that. And Brooks just kind of, like, succumbed to Augusta. Like, people were like, Brooks choked and stuff. It's like, dude, he shot a 75 at Augusta. Like, yeah, that's not good. It's not what you want. It's not going to win you, a you know, a Masters on Sunday. But he didn't just, like, explode he just wasn't super sharp on Sunday at Augusta and and he (laughs) you know shot a three over like that's very likely to happen to anyone if they don't have their like a game um you know you miss a few shots a little errant um you know those greens are so tight your landing zones are just like you have to be so precise um and he just didn't quite he just didn't quite have it he didn't quite have it for um really most of his third and fourth rounds um quite as much but I don't, I don't personally lean into the 54 hole, like Brooks Kepka is a strong young man who's played a lot of major golf and he's won a lot of, you know, tournaments. Now, yeah, in the past year, has he played a lot of four round major tournaments, you know, or I guess not, but I don't, I don't really think that was a serious, um, I don't really think that was a serious disadvantage for him.
0: Yeah, if anything, I think it might even make it a little more fun for those guys, like get them a little more amped up playing in a... Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're playing in tournaments and they're getting paid a lot, but this is more true competition when they come over. Majors are still majors for the, for those guys. And I'm at the point now, I really don't care about the whole live versus PGA stuff anymore. I think it's awesome that we're going to get to see all these guys in the big tournaments, as we always would still, like, since they're all going to be playing in majors. But I did think it was very funny. I don't know if y'all heard this. HV three Harold Barner talking about Live and the PGA and everything, and he was saying he was kind of making fun at of all the guys on Live talking about trying to grow the game. And he he was like, "Guys, look, we're not trying to grow the game. We're trying to thicken our wallets. Like that's fine <laughs> if if that comes from it. But look, I'm in, I'm playing in Live because I got paid, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I was like, yes. honestly refreshing to hear because none of those guys that's not the goal of those guys they got big contracts but at the same time just going back to what i said earlier i'm excited it makes it a little there adds somewhat of an another element to these majors when all these guys are playing against each other there is kind of a extra competition in there i feel like
2: yeah you do want i mean from my fan perspective who i don't watch a ton of golf like just admittedly like it's rare that to, I'll have it on at the shop, I guess sometimes because we do sell golf carts. So, like, uh, you know, we might have a golf tournament on, but it's rare to catch me watching something outside of a major, um, you know, heavily or intently. Um, if not, if if it may, maybe if Tiger's in contention on a Sunday, <laughs> I'll turn on the Zaza World Championship, absolutely, <laughs> but only to see our big cat out there lurking. <laughs> um, but you want to see the absolute best. And a lot of those guys from live are, And it's the reason why they got poached to go to live is because they yeah. were the absolute best. Um, so it is fun to see them all out there competing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. And probably honestly was a little bit necessary. Like someone needed to challenge the PGA, obviously like they've even changed some rules and stuff. Like I kind of wish it could have happened without having to go through the live stuff. Cause I just think it's not a good look for just, the game of golf to be so fractionalized, like, I don't know. There doesn't really need to be a big, you know, faction in, in golf. Like, you know, golf for the longest time has been kind of a, a good unit of movement. I don't know. Just, it's just a weird, weird vibes on the live. It's not really successful either. Like, they've thrown all this money and there's no real energy on live tour. I don't feel like. No. You know. The rate, yeah, the rating um, is terrible. It's interesting, I think what's what you come to learn in that is probably like the tournaments themselves are bigger are still bigger than the players, mm-hmm. besides like Tiger. Uh truly like Tiger.
1: He's <laughs> the only he, exception. Yeah, now.
2: he is the only exception. And even him playing it like like the Masters is big because the Masters has been important for a hundred years. Since the thirties, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, the US Open's big because it's the US Open, British Open, whatever, all all the same thing. Um but you want it is good that the best players will be playing in those tournaments. um so you know maybe it took took a little competition to get better and that's kind of really life in general um so the PGA kind of felt a little heat from LIV for sure and they've made some they've made some player improvements that are are beneficial for the players they found some money that was uh yeah you know all of a sudden you know LIV's throwing crazy money and the PGA opens its pot like okay Y'all had a little bit more. Y'all, y'all weren't really, you know, <laughs> throwing all the money you could beforehand. So nice to see it. Nice to see it flowing a little bit. Yeah, that's a thing. Touching on a couple things. You said
0: you have these tournaments now on the PGA. The majors aren't even the biggest purses anymore. You have multiple <clears throat> tournaments with $15 million purses for guys to come out and win. And what does that do? Well, yeah, the majors are still what everyone's going to watch. I do find myself watching a little more golf. Uh, mainly because we have it on the office, but also because you got big names playing in these regular tournaments. Um, But going back to what you said about the majors and the big tournaments being bigger than the players, I think that's why I don't see, I mean, live will exist as long as people keep throwing money into it, but I don't see it being successful because golf is already such a niche sport that pulling Trying to pull viewers away and put in like get eyes on these tournaments that don't matter at all just because you have a few big names. When you go down the list, there's names you recognize, but there's really not as many as you think. Like, don't get me wrong, there's, there's Brooks, there's Phil,
2: there's Cam Smith, and uh, but then you got, got guys, a few like, of the biggest names they did po- like they really did take golf, probably has about 20 truly recognized, like tr- like, for a common sports fan, like outside of a true golf person, like 20 guys you could. Uh, in general about you could name on and yeah live took maybe they got six, a seven of those guys yeah. yeah but then after that yeah like you said yeah well you're right on it like they don't have a ton of depth of players like under that well and when you look at so master
0: sunday the viewership is like a few million it doesn't compare to a national championship football game or a super bowl sunday obviously so trying to think that you're gonna pull away from like you can't you can't create a tournament now that is going to be as big as any of the four majors
1: no yeah, and there's already so much history involved in golf and it's such a like classic sport uh i feel like it's a lot of old guys that don't want things it's all to tied change. to the history yeah yeah it's like so such a big part of it is so, yeah exactly and so that's why it's going to be really hard to steal any viewership because that kind of just gets passed along generation to generation um and we're still still talking about guys, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, the greats that have done things uh, way before we were born. We're still talking about it, watching the tournaments that they uh, tee off in and all that. So I don't think, like you guys said, kind of uh, agreeing on that point that Liv is going to be able to do anything to take away that tie-in with the history. And that's such a big deal for golf. It's just not going to be able to pull the viewership away.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't – I'm past the point of – I don't know if it ever really bothered me a whole lot. It was just kind of a weird thing that happened. But it it doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. <laughs> these guys are all going to be playing in the biggest tournaments, and that's like you said, Seth. Mainly what I'm watching, and even most golf fans are watching. Uh, yeah, like like I said, there's just it's such a niche sport. It's hard to yeah, it's have eyes on every single tournament, but oh, anyway, a lot of
2: stuff's going on, man. You're not watching four four days of some random tournament. Like I'm not watching Thursday, Friday. You know, I might flip on on a Sunday afternoon when I'm chilling and like catch the end of a tournament. That's all. Uh, that's cool. When like when it's coming down, you know the last few holes. That's awesome, that's exciting. But like, I don't a Friday afternoon and in, in who knows where, like Mexico or something. Like, <laughs> I'm just not watching. Um, got, I will say I I'll have a I have a protest here. I'm protesting the Masters ever being on Easter Sunday again. Boo, boo I that. Stop. I realize I realize that just happens to kind of be happenstance. I guess. But like, that's like, personally, this is a very selfish thing here. Like (laughs) I was at my, I was at my fiance's Easter and just not a very, not a very sports heavy family and not a very like television uh, heavy family. You know, that's not a priority, which is great, which I really enjoy. um, Except for when we're having a family gathering on Augusta Sunday. (laughs) And and it's hard for me to, because, it's hard for me okay y'all y'all kind of get this well you might get it a little a little you know it's hard for me to really be like no i have to watch this because i don't watch golf at all you know Mm -hmm. it's not like it's kind of like oh you have to watch this it's hard for someone who doesn't really doesn't really follow like golf or the masters or anything to understand just how much more important that day of golf is than like any other day of that master sunday is like the day it's (laughs) the biggest day of golf of the year. Um, and so like, to be like, Hey, we, have, we got to bounce. Like I, they're on the back nine at, a, at Augusta. Like <laughs> I got to get to a TV. Um, was just not no bueno for the Easter celebration. Cause I love Easter. Great holiday. Happy to go to church in the morning. Great vibes. Jesus is risen. Like, man, trust me. No one is happier about Jesus's victory over death than me. Like I am. <laughs> pumped. I try to live that out in my daily life and show that, but also, I mean, John Rahm's making a run. John Rahm's making a run, boys. <laughs> we got to check it out. Another J-man
1: it, is making a run here.
0: <laughs> I know I know that feeling, just to get off on it. That's a fun topic to discuss. So, Mattis, my my wife's family, they live in East Tennessee. So, college football, right? You know, college football, they get that. They get that. But a lot of times, you know, we spend a weekend over there do a little sunday lunch and it's a little later it's a little after church during the fall you know we got the titans on and that's that's just kind of a lost when you're in a true like college town that's a little lost on people and i definitely had to uh learn the hard way that uh having youtube tv on the phone with the titans game on at the uh, family lunch table is not acceptable so (laughs) and what's sad is like i didn't even think i didn't think twice about it i just flipped it on had it going while we're sitting there and then i think i'm like man we're in a dining room like there's no tvs around this might not be the best move and trust me i i heard about it after
2: but that's (laughs) i like i don't know fair place that's a precedent that's a precedent (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a tough situ- it's a tough corner to find yourself in you gotta, be, you gotta in.
1: read the situation it uh it kind of depends on who's well, there that, the good thing is on. the time but also you got to get it if you're on the other play. side
0: too like we like yeah they, they should matters. read the
1: situation as well the yeah. it's december the titans are in the playoff hunt they're in jacksonville like
2: <laughs> there are certain i do have to find myself like preparing uh preparing uh christina kind of for uh things i'm like hey this sunday at three o'clock like i will be watching football <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh i'll do whatever you need whatever you need like le- please let me know ahead of time yeah. let's really get this because at three o'clock i want to be planted on that couch like i don't want i don't really want distractions i want I want to watch <laughs> uh i need to lock in uh, there are certain times i you know i need to lock in um i might just go ahead and yeah print off like my personal schedule like circle (laughs) circle like 10 10 out of the 16 games it's like no i really want to watch these like you know if 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 we need to do some things you know if if i understand things take me away it is just a game especially regular season games like if something comes up i understand like i got you know i'm not i'm not a true like gonna be the biggest like just stubborn person in the world like oh i have because it is a game, it's sports, it's very fun, it's entertainment. But on the other side, it's it is one of the things I care about. It's one of the things that connects me to a lot of my friends. It's it's like you know, sports it's my is, life.
1: It's, like, <laughs> it's more, it's, yeah. It, it, it means more to to us than this is why
2: here.
0: this is why God put college football on Saturday because it ma- it matters. It matters more.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it is a that's a funny thing to think about is like the family uh because like if I if it had been Easter at my house. Oh yeah! My, exactly. Oh yeah! TV's I mean, on all know, like we're probably watching the Masters during Easter lunch. Like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, no, you take are a, take dinner into the the lounge. Like, yeah, we're, we're watching the Masters. Um, but it's a it's very good for myself to get probably outside of that culture a little bit too, where like there are like family and life is it is more important than there are
0: things outside of sports
2: yeah it's bigger so than we'll
1: have to realize
2: that sometimes sometimes it's good for a little perspective but also like i will say i would enjoy easter more if it wasn't on like it's more so i can enjoy both i want to enjoy easter dude i will i will dress up as the easter bunny like i will hide your eggs i will cook you some food like we will have us a time but let's not schedule at the same time as Master sunday even though it yeah it's just we could, let's just separate our big events they gotta know, like that's not too much to ask for well, Easter's
0: just, a big deal. I don't understand because they said, you know, it just sometimes it falls on Easter Sunday. And I'm thinking, okay, you're the masters. If you don't do it on the same day every year, why
2: don't we just Yeah, you're the Masters. <laughs> you make Easter is kind of Easter. Like we can't change Easter. Ma- you have the most utmost control over your event of anyone ever in history. Choose you choose your weekend. You know what day Easter is 10 years from now. So like like let's go ahead and just not schedule it on, on Easter weekend. Yeah. So that's my that would be my one improvement to sports in general. This is like no like on a true because Easter is a Sunday holiday and the Masters is a Sunday tournament. You know I I know there's it's four days but you know it's mainly a Sunday event of like this is ma- the Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's just not have those coincide. There's nothing going on next Sunday. Next Sunday, I am totally free. Like, no, no plans. But this Sunday, I was at, you know, my my family's house from 9 a.m. church until 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Like, I'm just busy. And that's not non, that's a non negoti holiday in a very, you know, traditional Christian family, which I am pro. I'm not, I love Easter. I feel like I'm coming off as a hater here. And that is not the case. I love (laughs) Easter. I want to love them both and enjoy them. I didn't I, like. I didn't get a true masters nap in. Kind of mm-hmm. disappointing. I got a great one in.
0: The schedule friends. really threw it off, though.
2: The schedule yeah. did throw it off a little bit. Yeah, I want to take a. I want to take a master's nap as the leaders hit hole like three. I yeah. wanted to take a master's nap until I want to see them at eight, like on hole eight. I want to wake up and get ready to roll through the like. Watch the because if the leader's on hole eight, that means any contender is still on the course, and I'll get to watch you know them finish out. But I'm a very this is all irre really irrelevant to the this is a very personal Seth problem that I was <laughs> next time I'm just bringing my projector, I'm setting it up, setting it up, saying, "Look, we're watching the Masters in the bonus room. I'm Set here, I'm here, I am here on the fam. I'm here for the family." Uh, but but the Masters will be viewing upstairs. Maybe <laughs> I'll find some converts. Just not a very heavy sports family, which, you know, pretty we cool. We find to. ourselves in it. Good perspective on life. Yeah. I've, the precedent has been set about about Razorback athletics. Yeah. That's exactly. pretty understood at this point. Like, hogs are on. They're on. <laughs> That's how it goes. It better be pretty dire to pull me away from the Arkansas Razorback.
1: <laughs> yeah, it better be an emergency. <laughs>
0: dude you're telling me yeah there has to be some serious i mean it's
1: like there better be a fire if you're yeah
0: i think for all of us i mean we talk college football a lot on this podcast if our team is on there's you get you truly schedule your day around that game
2: oh my oh like titans
0: i will keep up with throughout the day like i'll have it on my phone like i can go be doing something else if it's if it's a college game if it's the huskers or if it's tennessee my day is scheduled around that game. I, I will be Alabama. on a couch somewhere. I'm
1: not missing that game. Like, yeah. there's, It's Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia next year. I'm not missing those games. That's already implanted in my schedule right now as we speak. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing at that point later in the year, but I'm not missing those games. It's been decided.
0: Dude, Tennessee, Tennessee Tech, if it's fourth quarter, three minutes left, we're up 70-10. to 10. I have to finish watching. I got to see what the backups. I got to see what Nico's got got up his sleeve. How he's how he's looking. Like yeah, everything. Some
1: people are are kind of calling for uh, Nico to jump in immediately. People are getting down on Joe Milton again. Tyler, uh, our buddy, was talking to me before we were on the pod, and he said he's seen some uh, negative news about uh, Joe Milton recently.
0: See, we can let's let's dive into that just a little before we move on to some NBA talk. Yeah, True I saw. This was from a Kentucky fan on Twitter, so I couldn't, you know, verify any of the information. But he just tweeted out, sounds like there's quarterback controversy in Knoxville. So do you have any kind of inside scoop on that?
1: I mean, not really an inside scoop, but just from my perspective, following along the journey of the offseason, it really had seemed Joe Milton has been trending upward. There had been all kinds of talks about how he's worked on his touch, the quarterback's coach was talking all this stuff about how he's improved his accuracy and he's got the hand grenade now and the bazooka. Um, and then now we're starting to hear some stuff where he's making those same old mistakes that Joe Milton makes uh, when he was at Michigan, when he uh, originally started at Tennessee, overthrowing guys by 10 yards. Um, and so I don't know if there's any truth to it. It could, and I don't want to cherry pick a, a random practice spring, whatever spring training spring uh, practice moment and lock that in for the season. So I, I'm not ready to, to jump right into Nico uh, and and get off Joe that quickly, but Hey, maybe the, the leash has kind of shortened a little bit and, if Joe kind of comes out flat in two or three games, we see Nico instead of them riding with Joe the whole season long, which we, we've we kind of expected.
0: Yeah, I think it'll take a lot. I'm going to go past – I'm not just going to say – I would obviously be shocked if Joe was not the starter game one, but I would be almost as equally shocked if he wasn't the starter in that first conference game. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think there's anything that he could do besides just fall apart in those early games to not be the starter
1: like eight interceptions in those first few games or something horrendous like that. 10 interceptions, 12 interceptions.
0: And it could be a situation. I think Joe Milton is better than Kelly Bryant, but I'm thinking of that kind of Clemson situation where Kelly Bryant started a good amount of that year before Trevor Lawrence came in. And I think that's the situation you would find yourself in Tennessee. Even if Nico does come out guns ablaze and playing really well, it's going to take Joe, losing a game yeah. in a dramatic fashion kind of all on all him,
1: on him. Yep, exactly. yeah
0: so yeah i'm i i do not feed too much into it a little quarterback controversy may be going on in lincoln as well
1: but really? i can't i, saw I can't there read was a, a five-star corner for the 2024 class was just signed um to nebraska from uh, i want to say louisiana or texas do you see that they just
0: signed i didn't yeah. even see that yeah um Great.
1: Committed, not, not signed, excuse me. Committed. Anyway,
0: well, e- yeah, either way still, though. Yeah. kind of. I, I must have missed that. But I did see just from people who attended the scrimmage talking about how good Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech transfer looks. And I think he's got like three years of eligibility, so it's not imperative that he starts right away. Um, and I do like Casey Thompson. I thought he played really well on a team last year that was not that great, but he showed flashes of great accuracy, deep ball throwing. So we'll see. Um, That was something that I kept hearing from people who were at the scrimmage. Jeff Sims looked really good, and he is a little more of an athletic quarterback, a guy that can run around that Husker fans like to see, so I'm sure you're going to hear that a little bit uh, once the season starts. But anyway, we can move on. I know, Truchel, you had some NBA playoff talk you wanted to get into, a little Grizz talk as well, so take it away.
1: I did want to quickly give a quick shout-out to slow-mo Kyle Anderson, for taking one from Rudy Gobert. Uh, that whole scenario was crazy. Apparently, slow Mo was talking some some trash about Rudy Gobert's um, injuries, saying he was soft uh, and isn't playing um, here when they need it right at the end of the season, and it got a little heated. And it, it kind of seems like this Timberwolves team could fall apart uh, at, at the worst moment here. So pretty bad to have – uh, Rudy Gobert suspended for the play-in game. That's going to be – that's that's rough, man, losing your defensive anchor. But besides the point, the Grizzlies, like we were talking about before, are most likely going to be playing the Lakers um, because they're probably going to win that 7-8 matchup in the play-in. Just to remind everybody the play-in. Uh, winner of the 7-8 gets the seventh seed, and then the winner of the 9-10 uh, goes on to play the loser of that first game to, to get the eighth seed. Uh, So just a reminder on how that works. So Grizzlies paired up with the Lakers. That is an awesome matchup to just think about. But do you want to be facing a healthy LeBron, Anthony Davis in the playoffs? No, Uh, especially with Steven Adams probably being out for the season. There has been some rumblings. Uh, uh, He did warm up this past game. So maybe he isn't shut down. But we saw the Grizzlies obviously bring up Kenny Lofton, who had one of the greatest debuts I've ever seen, and and he's played in the NBA previously this season, but uh, got called up start. officially and signed to a straight up NBA contract. Uh, is not on the two way contract anymore. So, and uh, he, we we got our money's worth out of Kenny Lofton with forty four or forty two and fourteen, which was awesome to see. He's a Louisiana guy um, in the NBA. You go for forty two and fourteen. Yeah, and, unreal. Uh, sky's Uh, the limit like where do you go from there we got him on a four-year seven million dollar deal too so if he ends up being oh he's
2: gonna be nasty
1: if if he ends up being a zebo type of scorer, like 17 18 a game with 10 boards and we have him on a deal four years seven million that's less than two million a year that would be a huge deal so i'm really excited about that i'm excited to see how kenny lofton plays out and excited to see uh if luke Kennard can continue this hot streak from three he's shooting i think yeah 50 he's a great runs. shooter this he could be the x factor that while losing uh steven adams from a rebounding and defensive aspect hopefully jaron jackson jr can kind of pick up that defensive slack and then we've got so much offense going through we we see jaron jackson jr putting up 40 when jaw and bain are out we see Dude. kenny Lofton putting up 40 there's a this is a, de- a force yeah Bill there for a force.
2: D- desmond bain is a stud Desmond Bain is a stud. Luke Kennard has been going off, like you said. And then, I mean, you got Ja, who's capable of, you know, putting the team yeah. on his back if needed. And Jaron, who's just, um, like, this team is deep and they are, they are so strong. They have shooting, which has always seemed like what the Grizzlies, like, really lacked when it got, to, like, playoff time. They just couldn't quite make enough shots. They couldn't space the floor. Well, you know, once defenses really started kind of ratcheting up, and playing a little tougher especially inside um they couldn't quite you know shoot the ball well enough but th- now they they got weapons out there um but you yeah two of the reckless. best three-point so,
1: shooters in the in the nba in bain and luke Kennard kind of our, our own version of the splash brothers you could say so yeah. who knows uh this team i mean honestly, it honestly it would surprise me if they lost the lakers but it I mean, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, but it also wouldn't surprise me to see a team make a run to the the finals or Western conference finals this year. I would say uh, the, this the, is pretty much,
2: let's just say they, and I want to get to the Rudy Gobert in a second, because I was looking at the Rudy Gobert trade earlier today, and it is it is possibly one of the worst trades in the history of sports. Like I'd on it. I put it, we talked about how bad the AJ Brown trade is, and that was terrible. Just Rudy, just Gobert,
1: bad, like, Rudy Gobert. Gobert
2: trade is insanely bad. so
1: many draft Let's just, picks. Hold
2: up. Let, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up because it is it is comical. Like you almost will not believe.
1: Well, what was it, six first round or five first round draft picks, something like that? Well, they got oh, they
2: got the so they got Walker Kessler, who was the first um. Uh, Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Out <one> of the <laughs>
1: headline, all time awful NBA trade gets worse after Rudy Gobert punches Timberwolves, two crucial players for playing. Game. Okay, here we go. Minnesota traded four first round picks.
2: The rights to rookie of the year candidate Walker Kessler. So Walker Kessler was in that deal. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt and Leandro Balmero to Utah Jazz, Only for Rudy Gobert. He was the only part of that trade. So you traded four, five players and four first-round draft picks
1: <laughs> for Rudy Gobert? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, just hearing those words come out of your mouth is... I mean, who would have thought Rudy Gobert would pull value like that? Dude, first, Kevin like... Grant,
0: Ru- Rudy yeah. Gobert's pretty good, but four first round picks on top of all those players is <laughs> something else. It's
2: I don't I wouldn't trade four first round picks for probably anyone. Maybe like prime LeBron. Like, okay, four first round picks. If I Giannis
1: like, or a Durant in yeah. their prime, I think if you, you do truly, have, yeah,
2: if it's if truly they have
1: like, to be a top three player in yeah. the
2: league. Rudy Gobert. Oh my god. How are you – like, if you're a fan of the team that just did that trade, like, how how awful do you feel? Like, how sick to you are your, are your stomach? And now it's even worse. We're, like, one year into this trade, and it's a nightmare. You yeah. threw away your future for Rudy Gobert.
1: And they're, like, barely squeezing into the play-in tournament. <laughs> you had Anthony Edwards, who is a beast he's a monster dude in that uh, grizzly series last year like they you know, he's a yeah. stud he's
2: a young stud to truly build around and like yeah let's put a few good pieces around him but you just leveraged your future for a you know yeah defensive player of the year that's all fine and dandy but like he has real no offensive like game like he, yeah he's tall yeah. he's big and like he's not the most uncoordinated person in the world. Like, yeah, he can get a few buckets for you, but goodness gracious. I don't think clever. you put him in
1: the top 20 players in the league. No. <laughs>
2: like. Yeah. He's fringe. Like, a, Yeah. He's, pro, he's fringe top 20 player in the league. Fringe, fringe. Like and, I could yeah. put him at oh, like 35.
1: Yeah. You could definitely make a case at 35 over 20.
2: Oh so. my gosh. That uh, is that GM already been fired? Like, and then, okay, yeah, okay, just forget, okay, forget how horrid that trade is. Uh, actually, no, you can't forget how horrid that trade is. So you make that trade. And then the year, the first year you do that trade, he punches a guy in the
1: last game of the season and he can't even play in your playing game. I didn't see also Jaden McDaniels punched a wall after that scenario happened, broke his hand, and is out for the series as well. So after Rudy Gobert, did his punch. It fired up enough guys. Jade McDaniels punches a wall, busts his hand. And now he's out too. Uh, like, if they turn out, they might,
2: they might end up, honestly, the Timberwolves are my sneaky team to win the finals. Like something's going on with the Timberwolves. <laughs> They're just going to like catch this magic. It's so
1: crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. It could happen. That's So
2: bizarre. It's going to happen. So yeah. what is, what is a, uh, what is seating looking like in the West? We've totally focused on the West here.
1: Yeah. um, So let's see. I'm going to pull up the tournament seedings right Sons now. Suns are
2: one. Suns one. Grizz two. I think the Kings are three, which is yeah, amazing. Yeah, Kings are
1: three. Kings are three. Uh, Suns are four. Clippers are five. Warriors are six. Who's one? Uh, nuggets. Denver?
2: Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: So then we're going to have the Lakers and Timberwolves Um, for that First uh play in and then Pelicans and Thunder for that second play in. Something we didn't even talk about as well. The Mavericks throwing away their season and now being investigated uh for tampering in the NBA or by the NBA. They sat Luka Doncic and rested five um of their either starters or rotation players for their final game to get into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, that was strange. And what so, did they gain? What did they gain by not making the playoffs?
1: uh a, a chance at the lottery a chance to get the number one pick Yeah, uh, I mean, very unlikely they are the first team out so they're gonna have the, the least amount of dude uh, i think they were just like calling them. it
2: quits pretty it's, much they were just like this season is over our team stinks what happened to them they were a four seed they trade for they Kyrie. It, conference it,
1: finals last year
2: <laughs> yeah and then just absolute tank show you got oh my gosh dude mark cuban is an idiot. I think like I I used to love cubes and he, I've turned so sour. I think he's just kind of lost. Like he's one of those guys. He found an edge at some point in business. Like he found an edge. He made a ton of money. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the smartest guy in the room for the next 20 years to come. Like Hmm. he is like, he is running this team. Not very well. You let Jalen Brunson go and he becomes an, like he's an absolute superstar with like no problems, no drama, you know, hard working guy, team guy, um and then you trade for Kyrie when you already have you already have Luka, the most ball heavy player in the NBA, a guy that needs the ball in his hands like so much. And to put Kyrie alongside of him, probably one of the other top like 10 guys in usage rates like, you know, dribbles per game. I don't know if they have that stat, but like I am sure someone does. I'm sure um, you can find it. But you know what I'm saying like two of the most ball dominant players in the entire NBA. And you thought they were going to like work together. Like you thought that was really going to work out well, like just use your common sense. It just isn't, isn't what you needed for your team. Dumb cubes. Oh yeah. So Luca,
1: Luca is third in the NBA in terms of touches with Jokic being number one, Harden number two, LeBron four and Trey young, number five. Um, Who's number one. Uh, Jokic. Jokic. Really? Mm-hmm. What is What so you, what's that? Usage yeah, that's, rate? So, um, that's, so, that's, so that's touches. How many times true. a player touches the ball on offense? But see, does it count when Luca? is it
2: one touch when Luca dribbles it for 22 seconds?
1: Yes. Out of so a
2: 24-second shot clock?
1: Yes, it's only one touch. So every time it leaves his hands and then comes back, that is another touch, so... He'll do that around ninety-one times a game, which is a ton.
0: Dude, that's actually insane that more big men aren't at the top of that list because you think about just someone throwing it in the post, throwing it out, throwing it back in so many times. Like it makes sense. Jokic is up there. That just shows you how ball dominant those uh like Harden and those other guys are as well. That's funny.
2: Harden used to be Harden used to be that way. I don't think he quite is as much right now in his role with Philadelphia, but I mean, he's still obviously super ball dominant, but there was a few years there for Houston. I mean, he just had the ball. He's just going to the rack all the time. Oh yeah, he never won in the postseason. What a funny narrative! Like players do get that, like they can't win in the postseason and stuff like that. Um, A lot of times, it's really more so about the teams that they play on, unless you are, unless you are LeBron. Like unless you are so good to elevate whatever you have around you to be like championship caliber. Like, you're going to – it's going to get – your team's going to get – your team is going to get exposed in the playoffs,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: Um, So, I, I'll be interested to see. I don't think the Warriors have it this year. Like, I just don't – I don't see them. They've
1: been banged up,
2: too. Making just, a run. Phoenix is strong. The West is really wide open because, I mean, Denver's your one seed, but I'd probably – they're definitely beatable. They're beatable. Um, And, then, I mean, the Kings are good, but I don't see them – they have the a finals. terrible
1: defensive uh kind of rating. They have what they they have the best offensive uh rating in the NBA. Yeah. Uh with the Grizzlies second, but their defensive rating has uh, been very bad this year. So they're definitely a team that could I'm telling we'll you stay year, the
2: the Grizzlies like you think oh the Grizzlies have a young core like you know they'll probably be around but man I think they but like if they could pop one off here like it changes things. Like then where they go like, okay, now we have a now we now we have a young core that's already won a championship. Like okay, let's win, let's win three out of the next five. Like why not reel off some? Um, It starts with this. It's wide open. Like there is no team that is like, there's no team that is going to take something like remarkable to beat. You know what I mean? Like there's no team where it's like you, you got to have a miracle to be, like those warrior teams back in the day. Like a few years ago, it was pretty much like unless something crazy happens, they're gonna find like they're just that good. Yeah, like they're almost unbeatable in a seven game when series. When
1: they had, had Durant, it was they were unbeatable. If yeah. was,
2: no team is like that, the forum is gonna be rocking. Like you know, Memphis turns up for the playoffs at home. Like it is gonna be hard to whoop that trick. Up. <laughs> whoop that trick! Oh, dude, that got me hyped. <laughs> oh, I was listening. That got me hyped today. <laughs>
1: oh dead! I, I got we got it it's up just for so memphis display. like i i just love the blue collar atmosphere at the forum it is awesome just so gritty like so grindy people do it is a it is a non i, lo, I feel like
2: a lot of nba cities are maybe i mean yeah they probably are in bigger markets it's more of an entertainment value it's a it's a production. Memphis is like, nah, man, we're here to play ball. Like, you are on our, our home turf. Like, we are here to make noise. We are here to c- have fun cheering on the Grizz and, like, going hard. We look like, people that go to Grizzlies game, I feel like a lot of people – I mean, maybe more so in the playoffs, but, like, a lot of people that go to NBA games are like, yeah, I just went to an NBA game. Like, I like – yeah, sure, I like Atlanta Hawks. Like, yeah, I'm from yeah. Atlanta. Like, yeah, I hope the Hawks win. But, like, Grizzlies fans are – are pretty die hard. Like if if you're not not for the M
1: going on in Memphis, I mean, nah. the Grizzlies are
2: huge. The Grizzlies are huge in Memphis and people do grab because it's something like Memphis is a, and, and we can get into some crazy, just socioeconomic and cultural dynamics here. But Memphis is a look down upon city. Like, from a general narrative uh, across the, the U.S., world. like Memphis it, it is, it is a Memphis versus everybody like that. It there is ne- it has never been more like true than that. Like, so the people that are Memphis like just are so tight knit. Like when we are cheer to cheer for the Grizz, bro, it is us versus all of you guys. Like, no, we are together, bro. We are against all of y'all, and we're taking we're taking our crown. I'm telling you, I cannot wait for the Grizzlies. Uh, finals parade like i will i will be so outside i will be so far outside on beale street when the grizzlies <laughs> come marching down it will be the biggest time memphis has ever seen jaw there just casamigos on top of a double decker party bus just <laughs> like i i'm there for that like the, the city of memphis Deserves that. Like, let's get them a championship parade. It's time, dude. We got a superstar. Like, the the Grizzlies used to have a great core. Like, they had a, you know, a true core guys that were strong, but they never had a superstar like Ja. Like, they never had a true, like, this guy is a a superstar who can make plays that no one else in the world can make. Like, he can do things that truly no one else can do. And him being a point guard, uh, you know, makes him able to kind of dish it out as well and you know create stuff for his other players and they got they got enough talent they got they got the opportunity i'm, I'm telling you i'm riding the grizz to the finals Pers, selfishly it sucks that they have to beat lebron in round one because i'm i'm kind of a brawn i'm a what do they call him brawn sexual yeah that's kind bronze of sexual I, yeah <laughs> i kind of am, i'll have to be honest that's kind of i would i would put myself in that category um as a true brawn defender till the end, but not his year. This is the Grizzlies year. Let's take it. I don't care about the East. Who cares, dude? I like the bucks. I like the bucks in the East. <laughs> the,
1: bucks or the Celtics are going to come out. Like that's
2: shout out. Bobby Portis, true hog.
1: Yeah. Potential six man of the year. He, and he, I I saw Bobby Portis talking recently about how he wanted, he needed a guy to play behind like Giannis. he said, Playing behind Giannis was the perfect thing that ever happened to me in my career. Uh, We just meshed so well together and uh, they needed, the Bucs needed a guy to come off the bench and bring that spark both offensively and on the boards. Um, And Bobby was just talking about how excited and how perfect it was for him. So just seeing how, how much of a team player he is got me really fired up and I've always gave Bobby Portis his props. He's a good player, but Really, uh, really respected him after he was talking about that and how excited was he was for the team and how he wanted that six man of the year award and how much he took took pride in coming off the bench and being that guy for his team. Yep. So he's filled the role very well. Talk
2: about, I mean, he's a true testament to fit is so important for a player. Mm-hmm. You know, he bounced around a little bit, had some good, you know, did some good things, he had some good you know, years. Had, yeah, had, you know, did yeah. Obviously, he signed some pretty big contracts. You know, he signed a good contract with the Knicks at one point. Like, was a serious serious NBA guy for a while, but just never really clicked. You know, it never really, his game never really took off. Um, and it's not like he's doing anything like supernatural or incredible, but he's just been so solid for them. He just fits, fits the city organization, team, chemistry, all that so well. Um, and he's thriving and flourishing and they love him. The city loves him back. And you know, that's, he, he's a, t- he's an energy guy. Like he he is going to give you all his energy. And he, that's why he's always been beloved by Razorback fans Like, when he was a Razorback, I mean, you knew Bobby was going out there and and giving you what he had any given night. Um, He's bringing it all. Um, So, people just – I mean, people gravitate towards that, and you need those kind of guys on your team. Like, okay, so the Grizz – back to the Grizz. A guy like Dylan Brooks, he is Mm -hmm. not an – he's not an all-star. Like, not an – I mean, defensively, Yes. But he, what he does is just bring that tenacity, bring that energy, bring that, you know, defensive gusto. Every single night you know he's bringing his, like, he's there to guard. He's there to guard the other team's best player, and he's there to give it all he's got. Um, and the city just the, reverberates around that. Um, other teams may hate it. Dylan Brooks probably has a lot more hate than Bobby Portis. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but when he's on your team, you got to love it. Uh, of course. Yeah. So.
1: Um, Definitely. did we want to talk a, a little Malik Willis, a little Will Levis, a little yeah, a, quarterback? A talk nice, to close this nice out? way
2: to kind of reel it in and, uh, put a, put a little bow of just like aggression on, on, <laughs> on this episode here.
0: Yeah. So in case y'all didn't see, there've been some rumors flying around. There's a certain... Enemy of this podcast, that true is that, enemy of the pod. That came. They yeah. came into our city. That came into Nashville.
1: He's still here, I believe, right now. Is he not? Uh,
0: Pro- go, you probably. Should, you should go find him. Oh, we yeah, should we go find him. The
1: pod.
0: Well, no, no, no. I'll, we need to get. No, we're getting rid of him, man. No, we're not bringing <laughs> him on. We do not want Thank him to so. feel welcome here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you just go stand outside his hotel room and say, You're not like just a sign that you're not welcome. Get out of Nashville. But yeah, Dude, I think, all right, uh, keep going. What's going on with Will Levis? He's visiting with. I was, I was just
0: going to say, yeah, there's a room. Apparently, Will Levis is in visiting Nashville. I've seen some crazy, crazy mock drafts uh, in some you know, pictures that people make of what it, what the top ten order could look like. And this one was insane because not only did it have the Titans going up to pick Will Levis at three, they had C.J. Stroud as the fourth quarterback going. So that means that they were going Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and then C.J. Stroud.
1: Yeah, If See, we that, pass on
2: C.J. Stroud. The, the, ma- the mock draft is just that – Specific one has That's lost all credibility.
1: Yeah, like that is a The joke. Titans
2: are 100 If CJ Stroud and Will Levis are on the board, should, should that happen at any point for the Titans, whether they trade up or somehow it happens, there's no way they take Levis over Stroud.
1: I mean, yeah, th- that would be the craziest thing that has ever happened in NFL draft history.
2: All right, you want my personal take on, I believe this is a whole smokescreen. This is what I want to believe as well. So take take this as <laughs> take this as you will. I believe this is an entire smokescreen trying to get Jim Ursay of the Indianapolis Colts to take Will Levis. Because I have
1: heard some people like claiming that
2: you are like not Jim your- Jim Ursay is that like much of an idiot. Like that <laughs> I hope he's not <laughs> listening because I'm a big I'm a big fan, Mr. Ursay. But Jim <laughs> Ursay's like that senile. That he would be like, oh, the Titans really like this guy. Like they've been kicking my butt lately. Like the Titans are deep. The Titans are deep are. in Irsay's head right
1: now. Rand's
0: like, playing chess. Like,
2: yeah, there
1: are. Oh, I mean, Brand they've even Brand admitted that. Like chess, Ursay right? and the the Colts executive staff, like multiple, no, they literally said, like, admitted. how can we
2: beat the Titans? Like yeah, we are they, so they, deep we are in their
1: Super Bowl head. right now.
2: Yeah. Which is, all, I mean, which is just That's fantastic.
1: So after what Peyton did to us for, like, Peyton and Andrew Luck, and, and Andrew, and Andrew, Luck, Andrew Luck had me in the absolute he torture never chamber. He was with the Colts for, like, eight years and never lost to the Titans. How was that possible?
2: It's crazy that a man who beat me every single time I could love so much because the way he retired, like, gave me so much joy. Like, it just freed me from – I was under – I was oppressed by Andrew Luck. <laughs> like, I was – like. I am a very privileged man, but I tell you what, uh, there was one man that had total ownership of me. And that was Andrew luck and his goober, like personality and everything would, and then he would just come Made it so much worse twice a year, every single year. I could not beat him. And then he just one day hung it up and it was the happiest. Truly. I, I still contest when he retired, one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> no, like that's far, like none.
1: when everything swished for the Titans, like, yeah.
2: I've also thought that the Titans might be running a play to get Colts to trade for Tannehill. Like, uh, you know, Oh, this guy's beaten you this many times in a row. Ooh, he's really good. Like you <laughs> really need him, Jim.
1: You should really trade a lot of picks for him. <laughs> oh, if the
2: Colts end up with Will Levis, I will, I will streak. I actually, I prom, I will post a video of me streaking.
1: All right. You heard it here good. first. folks.
2: Yeah. I don't know where. I'll have to do it somewhere. I do not want to get arrested, but yeah, don't, I will.
1: Don't show me little kids or something on accident. Yeah,
2: I might put a little something. I might not be. All right. I will streak in, Moin cloth. in. a Yeah. I will have something covering the true nethers.
1: In a jockstrap.
2: Okay. Yeah. I could go for the jockstrap. That seems fair. All right. There you go. I will, yeah. I will streak in a jockstrap if the Colts take Will Levis. I'd be so happy. I, I don't know. I think all this is a little bit of a smokescreen by the Titans. I really don't think they're going to end up taking a quarterback this year. Um, I really, I doubt they, I think it's actually more likely and this isn't going to be the sexiest like thing ever. I think it's more likely they trade back a little bit. Um, and maybe try to get a couple, you know, another second round plus pick or something. Um, Because, I mean, a a top 11 pick is still desirable for someone who really thinks they can move and get somebody. But if you move back later in the first round and add another draft pick, you know, you still are going to have really, you know, high-level players available later in the first, um, as well as maybe picking up a later pick. Because they they do have some pretty big gaps that they need to fill with with better-tier players. So I think they'll probably end up taking a lineman, honestly, at 11 if they stay there. I think they'll take a really good tackle or another wide receiver. I could see them taking a high end wide receiver there. That's why I could see them like going back a little bit. Cause if you go to say like mid twenties, you can still get probably one of the top, you know, top O-line guys or a top wide receiver is still probably going to be there. Um, You know, maybe not your number one guy. Like you might could get a number one guy there at uh, uh, 11 but he's still going to be one of your really top, top guys are still available there. Um, Or I could see them hidden, you know, hidden hooker has been getting a lot of buzz. Started
1: to mock him to the Titans.
2: Yeah. He's been getting a lot of higher round buzz, which I've always said, I always thought he looked very polished as a, like this last year at Tennessee was so impressive. What he, what he throws the ball. He's very accurate, very accurate. Um very polished passer. I would so much rather have Hinden Hooker over Will Levis. I just oh, I just million. would. Mm. So I I don't think I think Will I think Will Levis is gonna be one of those guys that ends up falling a good bit. Someone I think he might go. I think he'll go first round, but I think he's gonna be a late first like I think he's gonna end up going like mid 20s. Like I think he's gonna fall a good bit.
1: Somebody like the Vikings get him late first round. Yeah. Someone
2: feels like they're getting a value because it's like, oh, this guy, but there's a reason he fell. Like there is a like I just think he's he sucks. I, that's <laughs> I, that's at the end of the day, that's I've watched him either. play quarterback. Like I've yeah, I've watched him play quarterback quite a bit, and he is not good. I love hearing the, well, they said he looked
0: pretty good at his uh, pro day, and I'm like, yeah, throwing against air, that's odd. Like, <laughs> I would hope, I think I've said this before, so I, I hate to repeat myself, but, I mean, any local high school quarterback you get is going to look pretty good just throwing <laughs> routes, like, yeah, like you take him out up. on the field. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a big difference, and a lot of those guys have, I mean, all the – the measurables and all that stuff, but there's a big difference. you look at a guy like Jarrett Garantano, who was the practice warrior. I mean, you could not talk enough good stuff about that guy in practice. Then he gets out on the field and he's brain dead. He has no clue what's going on. And you look at a guy like Malik Willis who steps out there and has happy feet and doesn't know what's going on. Like there's a you can have the arm strength and the the running ability and all of that. But if you don't have the mental toughness and mental capability that it takes to be a quarterback at the highest level, you just don't, don't have it. So I don't see, and we, we've said this a million times. Any paid listener knows how much uh, we do not enjoy Will Levis positive.
2: Very consistent in our disdain of Will like. We can go pull clips from a year plus ago and we probably probably even two years
1: ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah. From like, that's probably the first thing we ever said on this podcast. Will Levis is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Trisha, you
0: just touched on it, but when you talked about Malik Willis and some of these guys and their, you know, training camps, pro days, whatever, thrown against air. That that clip of Malik throwing against his body, the bomb, like on his pro yes. day, we've all yeah. seen it so many times, <laughs> and everyone Ooh. freaks out. And it makes me think of people were freaking out the other day at Anthony Richardson hitting the ceiling in in his uh, pro day throws, which is which is hilarious that he threw. But at the same time, it's like okay, that was obviously not a good throw, <laughs> and everyone <laughs> yeah, just loves it. If you hit the ceiling
1: it. of the arena, that's terrible. <laughs> Is that a dead ball? What is that? Like, well,
2: I mean, it wouldn't yeah, be I mean, like no, that in a dome. i would uh, be cool to see Anthony NFL Richardson hit, like, awesome. the – hit, Like, if Anthony Richardson threw hit a ball to the jumbotron at, like, Cowboys Stadium, that'd be awesome. <laughs>
1: I mean, if there's a guy to do it, Anthony I'll Richardson. I'll be interested
2: be to see fun. where he goes. I, I really – I'm looking – I like Anthony Richardson. If I, do too. Right, here's my I take. think he'll be pretty if good. he is there at eleven, like if if the Titans yes. don't move, I said this when he's we, there at eleven. Problem. I I would be happy with it. I'd be happy if they don't. Like if they just stay away and they don't, you know, I'd yeah, be fine. I, that's I, how I feel. I don't know if he's truly like, but I'd be down. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely down. One hundred percent. Now, if we I trade up to three, an... I would be irritated.
0: Yeah, yeah. I at least think there's an upside there like I think Anthony Richardson is at least on the side where he's he's so raw like not polished at all. Like Will Levis is done. He is what he is. I yeah. could see Anthony Richardson actually growing into something and I'm not saying he will. I'm on the same side of the fence as you Seth where if he's there and we don't get him that is okay. Let's let Rand know that. Like if if he's there you don't have to get him. But if you get him, I'll I'm just excited to see him play in some preseason games just to see what he looks like in an NFL offense.
2: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I still think, honestly, I, I think Trey Lance is a possibility for the Titans. He, I yeah. Think they that's, I trade. think, I well think you trade. could see something. I think you could see something develop, you know, around, around draft day, around maybe during the mm-hmm. draft where that ends up happening. And I'd be fine with that, honestly. Like with
1: the Ran connection too, that and even yeah, a I, lot of a lot of San Frans coaching staff has said they've been in talks with the Titans about Trey Lance. So that is Yeah. I just comments. could see that
2: and I I don't I don't possibly hate that. I would trust Rand to do it because he's literally been in that organization. Like
1: he's seen, he would yeah. he
2: would know
1: <laughs> Trey Lance. I would better. hope.
2: I would I would hope like he would know whether it would be worth it. Um, like he wouldn't just be training for a guy. He doesn't really know any, like he would know, um, that that guy really has the potential to be an uh, NFL starter. So I would be fine with that. We just, I mean, we're all of the conclusion. I mean, it looks like Tannehill is going to be the guy this year. Uh, but this is pretty much gotta be his last year. Right. I mean, yeah. like, you yeah, I would think so on past this, um, with the Titans. And I think that's, I, I I'm not a Ryan Tannehill hater at all. Like right, he, he has provided such fantastic stability for the Titans at the quarterback position, which we have been in absolute quarterback since, yes, McNair. since McNair. Um, so he has been good in that r- respect, but with the way the league currently is, and it almost like hurts me to say this because this is what one of our good buddies, uh, lawyer Swaff, said for <laughs> the longest time, and we would always argue. And I still, I still think we were on the right side of the argument at the time. Like, because the argument was never like the argument was never Ryan Tannehill is Patrick Mahomes. Like the argument was never Ryan Tannehill is back. The argument was given the right circumstances, Ryan Tannehill could lead us to a Super Bowl. Correct. Um, I still, the, I agree with that still. And I do. Yeah. But the like, thing not is now. the circumstances. Not, yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. It's like. Maybe, I mean, maybe, yeah, this year he's still, but the circumstances aren't right because our team isn't really built, yeah. you know. This year needs a Patrick Mahone, like would need a true game changer at quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and we don't have it. Um, but the, it really broke me when the the circumstances were there. We were the number one seed, you know, great de- just great defense. Uh, that was our chance to win a Super Bowl, and he absolutely botched it thrown three interceptions against the Bengals. So that's a sad, let's just, let's <clears throat> just, yeah, let's forget about that.
0: Well, I think that's where our side of the argument came in. Yes, that's a possibility. And yes, that's what happened uh, a couple years ago or last year, whenever it was, but the whole thing about possibility, it's like, okay, if you give him that exact team, you know, three or four times, is there a time in there that he can win a Super Bowl? Maybe, but maybe. that's a lot of that's a lot of ifs. And it's like, okay, you did have the opportunity there, and you didn't do it, and that's all you get. So, I don't
2: know. Well, yeah, him up. maybe one miracle run left in him. <sighs> Man, still have Derek Henry. Still been still been have awesome. Derek hey, we still have Derek Henry. Shout out, Big Jeff. Yeah, I
1: mean, it gets yeah, big yeah big we big, needed to yeah, mention that. Time.
0: I'm big glad John. you said that.
1: Four years That is awesome.
0: He, he really famous. messed with the fan base there, throwing out a yeah. little uh, tweet bait.
1: That was awesome.
0: I knew when I saw that. I said, "There's, yeah. If he's not just coming out and saying it, that means he's back." And then he yeah. threw out the follow up tweet, that ready for awesome. more.
2: Awesome. Big Jeff Four is awesome, and
1: can't yes. wait for like even more. Just and then the that one Jeff uh, of him like going crazy. He is just like he is such a specimen, dude. Like.
0: He was the only untouchable, in my opinion. If we if we started yeah, from yeah. scratch, only guy I needed on the – even even Derek. Like, I just needed to know that Big Jeff was going to be on the team.
1: He's the cornerstone of the defense for the next, hopefully, six to eight years. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah maybe He's not. going to be salty. Might, He's I'd say six. Together. I'll give him six. That would be awesome. Well, let's just have him finish out this contract. The <laughs> our defense for the next four years. And I think that would be fair to ask him. Uh, I'm kind of getting a little hopeful that, because Aaron Donald is still probably the the best defensive tackle in the league, and I mean he's been doing it what for ten years at this point or close to it. So been a minute. Yeah, hey, no. maybe it's it's something. It's around ten years, like 2013. That sounds right for Aaron Donald, right?
0: Yeah, and Big Jeff is. You said it. He's generational. That's, that's truly it. He's, how much did we pay him? What was the, do you know the contract details? Uh,
1: Yeah, it was uh, 60 mil guaranteed up to 94 million, four years.
2: Nice. So big, but not, not,
1: I mean, like like if you look at the other top defensive tackles, he's making either less or right around as much as they are. So
0: I was going to say, it was
1: a very fair contract for both sides.
0: Eight like eighty guaranteed wouldn't have surprised me if he was like yeah. I want twenty a year for a guy like that. What does Aaron Donald make? He's got to make something like that, I, right? I think
1: he had hundred million.
0: Yeah, that yeah, makes he's sense. A
1: hundred million dollar deal, and so Jeff was just a little bit under at ninety four.
0: Well, and that was the fright, right? That he wanted that money. Um, yeah. And I don't know if we. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't. We we got our deal done. So.
1: Yeah, both sides I think came out happy fair fair deal paid paid the man what he's worth um and it's awesome to see a gm do that rather than ship him off and try and go cheap
0: oh man yeah <laughs> that that very well could have happened uh if we still had a old, Yeah, cuz we uh, probably
1: would have had to trade jeffrey simmons if we didn't re sign him cuz you want to get something for him instead of letting him walk if we weren't going to re sign him you got to trade him yeah unless you think you're going all in for this one year which I don't think the Titans believe they are. So Oh man, we've got uh, an exciting next 3 to 4 years hopefully for the Titans. Like the, Rodgers, when... last year we still got Derrick Henry, we still have Mike Vrabel. We have no idea how this team is going to finish.
0: What uh is the draft at the end of this month?
1: Uh end of that sounds right. It might be yeah. beginning of May, but uh, end of April sounds right.
0: That'll definitely be the next uh, – Yeah, April 27th through 29th. Ooh, I like that. It sounds good.
1: Yeah, I'm fired up. It's gonna what be, about uh, – be...
0: we got some spring games coming up, too. We might have to jump into these next couple weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Got that football Tennessee
0: football. one's going to be – I mean, we – Huh?
1: Football's coming right around the corner. We we're just oh, yeah. kind of talking. No, it's, about a, how the it's always football ended. season. But hey, we're right back in it. There's plenty to talk about.
0: Dude, that Tennessee game is going to be fun to watch now with all the hype around Nico. People are going to be tuning into that for sure.
1: So that yeah, uh, on April fifteenth we have uh, those spring games. This next next week. So there's a lot of um, we're going to get to see what. Uh, Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers at Texas. I'm uh interested to see how that's going to play out. That's a big QB battle going on,
0: dude. That would be crazy. Is Texas going to be good?
1: I mean, they've been saying it every year since. uh
0: I mean, I actually like Quinn Ewers. I think he's pretty solid, but they didn't. Was he? He was injured for a little bit last year, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: In that Alabama game, every single quarterback they had was injured.
0: Oh, dude! Yeah, if he would have stayed in that game, they would have won. They
1: won, yeah.
0: Man, that you telling me Bama would have gone? Wait, would they have almost... gone nine and three?
1: Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that would have been insane.
0: Bama pulling out a Bo Polini record—that would have been something else. <laughs> God. Oh man. Dude, I'm so ready for college football. I'm always ready.
1: Me too.
0: All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here, guys. Thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out, sixpackcoverage.com, on socials at Six Coverage. Check us out on Twitter at Paydirt underscore sports and on Instagram at Paydirt Sports. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all soon. Maybe next week, maybe not. We'll let you know.
1: Paydirt out. Alright.